Are you going to do something weird? Nope. Okay. I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> Was hoping for a little jingle, but I, I, nope, I I'm like just going to be normal. I, I, you know, I, I like that for us. I'm just going to be twiddle my thumbs. Twiddle your thumbs. Okay. That's you fine. just did a little weird thing. I did. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was doing that for you. I don't know. I feel awkward now. Good thing our guest isn't on yet. Ooh, that would have been weird. <laughs> well, um, maybe we should just get right into who our guest is. Then. Yeah, why not? So um, you guys probably know our guest um, from her like really profound writing on Instagram. You might not know her name, but you've definitely seen her words. Um, her stuff is shared constantly. And I love that I get to say like, she's my friend. Um, her name is Jamie Varen. Yes, and she's a writer, graphic designer, and digital course creator in LA. Her first nonfiction book, Radically Content, Being Satisfied in an Endlessly Dissatisfying World is coming out April 12th. Yeah, and you can pre-order that on Amazon. Uh, she also has an amazing digital course called Live with Intention. That's all about teaching yourself how to trust yourself, love yourself, um, et cetera. So I have so many questions for her. All right. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Alex. Hi, Nikki. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for joining Hi. us. Thank you for having me. I've heard so much about you because Alex met you years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we met... God, I can't even remember. It was probably 2009 20, or something. Yeah, 2010, 20, yeah. 2009. Yeah, wild. Um, back when blogging was really blog, it was a blog. <laughs> blogging was a thing then. Yeah, it was. And I, okay, so I think it was through 20 something bloggers that okay. we met, mm-hmm. I think, anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you, I think we were in Vegas at some point at the same time. I'm not sure yes. that we actually met there. And then um, I think I'm, you came to Chicago once and we hung out. Yeah. Like a bunch of other bloggers, which was mm-hmm. like, you know, the thing. Yeah. And I, my favorite story is that Jamie sent me clothes <laughs> after we hung out that time because I was like, nothing fits me and I can't find any clothes because I was starting to gain a lot of weight. And I had never been like, it was usually like an XL or, you know maybe a 1x but I didn't know that and you were like oh don't worry I got you and you sent me a bunch of clothes and I wore those clothes for maybe five years like oh my god I know <laughs> I was like I was looking at my closets to see if I had any still and no they're gone they're all gone now it's okay you have a very extensive and beautiful wardrobe now <laughs> maybe I, really I fostered up. it I think so <laughs> well you definitely opened the door to plus size clothing for me so that was you were like my fairy godmother well that's the thing when you're plus size I feel like you don't get that experience of sharing clothes Mm -hmm. usually and I was just that was the magic of it for me I was like I'm sharing my clothes with someone this is so fun like I never got to do that especially growing up it's always like you're like um maybe one of my dad's sweatshirts can fit you (laughs) like cool good sleepover I, sadly not even my dad's clothes do not he's so tiny <laughs> no same but at the time at the it time was like, yeah it they was like, like maybe <laughs> they were like oh you want to go swimming okay I have this you can put on and it's like the rattiest like your, their sleep shirt that's stretched out so much and like then 
you were praying it would even fit you had no idea I remember my friends like asking or giving me their brother's clothes like the shorts like basketball shorts barely going over my hips and I was like oh it's so embarrassing yeah and they always go and you know it wasn't a real body positive time they'd always be like this is a huge shirt yeah (laughs) so like maybe it has to fit you're like god damn it okay it's a medium okay thank you it's a large (laughs) it's like a huge shirt (laughs) like it doesn't even fit my one arm (laughs) Like it's a crop okay. top before crop tops were a thing. Oh, man. <laughs> so how did we get from that, your <laughs> blogging days? I'm assuming fashion blogging days? No. No? No, mine wasn't even a fashion blogging. Day. Oh. I know. I was just blogging about my life and my travels. And no, I had never done the fashion thing. And then which although, although I loved fashion, but I was just like blogging. I actually feel like my blog was much more like humorous. I just wanted to tell funny stories because I was too afraid of my emotions. So I was like, I'm the funny one, you know, (laughs) just carrying that torch for all the women that are bigger. (laughs) So I was like, I'm funny and I tell funny things and I'm always ironic and snarky. It was all about snarky at that time. 2010 was a big snark. Um, and so my blog was all about that. And then somehow I got into writing more like deeper stuff. And then it has just continued to evolve into where I'm at now. Yeah. Cause you worked for a thought catalog for a long time, right? Only a year, Oh, but really? I, but I wrote a lot in that okay. year. I mean, they're kind of they, they, they push you churn it out. Yeah. Yeah. Churn it out kind of. Yeah. So it was like suddenly going from like zero, I wasn't writing that consistently to now it's your job to write articles. And a lot of like thought catalog, especially at the time that I worked there in like 2015, 2016, it was like, bear your soul on the internet. And then everyone will send you the worst comments you could ever possibly imagine. And then it's like, wake up and do it again. Yeah. Like go for it. Get more comments, please. Right. Get more engagement. Um, Yeah. Crazy clickbait. A lot of clickbait. Yeah. There was, I saw how the sausage was made for sure. How did that affect you? It kind of, I didn't really like writing for a while after that, that actually I took a pretty big pause off writing after that, because, you know, when you go from this thing that you love and turn it into more of like a commodity and more of, you have to now commercialize it and it now has to perform for you. I feel like I just lost a lot of the joy of it. Cause it was just like, you know, I'm not out here trying to write a list an listicle, you know, or something that gets a lot of clicks. And it, it also felt like I was doing a lot of stuff that seemed to be like hate clicked. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. It just puts out a lot of negativity all around. Um, so I had to really like find my joy in writing again after that. So yeah, yeah it was tough. Man. So how do we get to that, to being radically content? Actually, what does radically content even mean? Right. Yeah. That's why I wrote the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I noticed that we have a big aversion to being content 
You know, we think, well, we got to keep pushing. We got to keep striving. Um, if I you know, just the way that people are with their body, they think like, if I love my body, doesn't that mean I'm just like accepting that I'm in this spot? It's like, yeah, that's great. Like love and accept where you're at and like, then see whatever you want to do and feel about your body. Um, and I think people think it's like complacency when you you're giving up a little bit. And I was like, but actually if I'm looking around at everyone, I'm like, we all want contentment. We all want to just feel like where we're at is enough. What we've done is enough. We're not constantly striving for the next thing. Am I good enough yet? Do I have permission to like myself or my life yet? Who gets to tell me who gets to say, yeah, you're good enough. Finally, you got it. Like you're, you're perfect enough. You're this enough. And I was like, radically content is about loving yourself and your life exactly as it is. And then that sets the foundation for if you want to change or if you want to do certain things or you have big ambitions, like I have a lot of ambitions, but I can't spend my whole life waiting to achieve them. And that gives me permission to be happy or to feel joy. I was just felt like I was putting my life on hold for a lot of things. Like first it was putting my life on hold, waiting to be thin. And then it was putting my life on hold, waiting to achieve a thing that I thought would prove I'm good enough. Cause I'm not thin, you know? And then it's like waiting, waiting, waiting. Like, when do I just get to be happy? Like I achieved all these things. I had these, like, we're talking about thought catalog, all these viral articles. I had all those moments, all these things. And I was still like, it's not enough. It's not enough. I got to go. I got to do more. You know, then I turned 30 and it's like, I'm not where I'm meant to be yet. I got to go. I got to push. And I thought that like that push, that being hard on myself, that sort of like hustle feeling was really, really motivating me. Like it was that shame voice saying like, you're not good enough yet. Like you're not thin enough yet. So you'll lose weight, you know? And like, you'll keep pushing. And then I recognized, I was like, that's not actually doing anything. That's me running away from that voice. And I'm not running toward anything. Like nothing good is coming to me in that, from that place. And so radical contentment is about, just being exactly where you are, having that true acceptance of where you are, but not in a way of like, well, I guess I just accept where I am. It's like a celebration of where you are because we're, we have such beautiful lives that we don't even notice sometimes because, you know, we're all caught up in, well, I'm not like that person on Instagram. And it's like, you're missing the moment you're in because you're looking at what that person on Instagram, you believe they have, or they're experiencing that you don't get to access. Um, you know, I think we do that a lot with our bodies. Like someone else gets to have joy Mm -hmm. at the beach or something because they have this certain type of body. And it's like, actually anyone can access that. If we just change how we perceive it, um, and how we change our mind about like what our own lives mean and the filter Like, it's really about putting a new filter on your life and seeing like, I'm, I'm in a good place, you know, like I have more things that I want to do. Great. You're still alive. (laughs) You know, if you're, (laughs) if you're done, you're dead. So, you know, like keep going, keep doing what you want to do, but also don't hold your entire self-worth and joy hostage 
to whoever you think you need to become in order to earn all that joy and self-worth. Yeah. Cause I, okay. I think like, I can even say like looking at you, like, you know, I've known you for so long and seeing your success and stuff, sort of like looking at you mean like, oh man, I want that to be me. Right. Because like, I'm looking at someone who is plus size too, like me having all the success and stuff. I, I think I get caught up in that as well, you know, sort of like, well, gosh, she has all these like things that I want to achieve. How do I get there? And you're right. It's like a little shame, little shame devil on your shoulder. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Well, because I think when we do that, we tell her, we're essentially telling ourselves she has something that I don't obviously or like she's done something that I can't do. Mm-hmm. And I do it too. Sometimes, you know, I have my little yeah. bugaboos that people come up and I'm like, Oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. She's, she's here in my Instagram space. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, but I think it's when we put ourselves on the outside of it and say, well, and then we use it as fuel to be like, see, you're never going to have that. See, like she's your age and she's achieving this. And, oh, I mean, if she must have something that I don't, and she it's, it's all like shaming ourselves Mm -hmm. versus saying like, if this is a desire in me, I notice it in someone else and they're making it possible for me. They're showing me it's possible because that's another thing, especially like with women, but especially with plus size women, we don't have a lot of heroes to look up to. Right. Like we don't have that representation of that kind of like beautiful, full life of things that, you know, look fun. And we, we don't have that a lot. We just have a lot of stereotypes Mm -hmm. and a lot of, um, what other people think plus size life's life is like, you know, that aren't plus size. So I think that can really get in our heads because what we can see, we can imagine, But then if we don't imagine it, or if we see someone else have it, and then we shame ourselves, we're again, putting ourselves outside of it. Like it's not, it can't come to us. That's not to like go off a total tangent, but I feel like that is, you exactly said how I felt like when Adele and, um, Rebel Wilson. Yeah. Thank you. I was about to say fat Amy. Like I could not think of her name. Um, when they were both like losing a bunch of weight, it was like, I was like so angry because it is like, you have these, I like idols. Right. And then all of a sudden they're changing and you're like, okay, wait, like now I have no one to look up to, um, who has, you know, looks like me and has things that I want or want to achieve, et cetera. So yeah, again, that's, I went off, that's a tangent, but I think that's like a really succinct way of saying like how I felt when all of that was happening. Cause yeah, it's like, you don't be- want to like, everyone's allowed to do what they want with their own body. Right. Like yeah. if Adele wants to lose weight, that is not my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not my business. Anyone else wants to lose weight. That's your business. So I think like it was hard because you're like having this internal struggle where you're like, it's not my business, but I'm sad. Like you're having like a little bit of grief about it. Yeah. Cause it's like losing. uh, Well, cause then you have, you start wondering like, well, were they not 
as happy with themselves. And what does that say about me? And I looked up to them and there's a lot of questions do come up. I mean, I felt the same way, especially about Adele, because I just looked Mm -hmm. up to her so much. Um, and I, I worked through it because I really, I eventually got to the same place that you got where it's just like, she can do whatever she wants. Right. You know, she, her life is not really is not for my consumption. You know, right. <laughs> she has to do what is best for her that she feels in the moment. And I think she's also had a lot of like interesting things to say about how she's been treated, um, since then and why she lost the weight and that it wasn't very intentional at all. It was yeah. more of a mental health thing for herself. Um, but I do think that it makes it harder because we just want to see someone thriving in a body that looks like ours. And it's not just, you know, we just want to see it so bad. Um, and I think that's a big reason. That's a big purpose of mine in my social media platform and everything is I actually try not to specifically talk about my body too much, which I get why other people do. It's just for me, my mission feels a lot more like just see me exist, Mm -hmm. like see me have a life Mm -hmm. that is full because I so desperately wanted to see that like growing up. I just like that it's possible that it's not this, like they tell you when we were growing up, especially how fat phobic was every, I mean, to the max, it was just like, you're going to be this sad person in the corner on the sidelines of your own life. And I like, I took that right on. I was like, yes, I will do that. Okay. (laughs) Like that's, what's available. I will be on the sidelines. One of those with a side of fries, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. So yeah, I definitely get that. And I think it's, uh, it's really important. Well, and that's why I love Instagram. I think it's like shown so many of us. I mean, we might lose some of our idols that are celebrities. Cause it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And eventually I think they just get to the place where they're like, I can't hold the torch any longer. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. just too much, you know? Yeah. It really is. The industry hasn't changed as much as we want it to change. Um, And I think that, but on social media, there's so many, so many women that are doing just beautiful things in the world and existing. And I mean, that changed my body perspective so much. Mine too. And yeah, it's wild how much I think it changed how I thought about my own body and how I didn't need to shrink anymore um, and just like live the way that I am. And be like more radically content, like you say, like, you know, maybe I'm not like there with everything, but definitely, you know, body. I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) This is who I am. (laughs) And I'm happy, right? It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you had like an uh, aha moment of like that for you, or was it something that you like kind of learned over time? I think it was pretty learned over time. Uh, just kind of noticing, I was like, this is the shame is burying me, you know? And, and it just got to the point where I was like, really, I know that even if I lose the weight that, you know, I think that I have to lose, I'm still going to feel this. Like I knew this was an inside job because it was just like, it felt like there was no other option. Like I have to just be happy in my actual body because I mean, every single plus size 
woman has the story of all the diets and all the things. I mean, that's our calling card, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. here's my list. What did you do? Um, you know, I mean, I had the fat camp, I had the, all the things, you know, and I was just like, it doesn't matter. Like I feel this way at any weight. And so that really showed me, I was like, this is not something external that I'm going to change. This is something that really has to happen internally. And it can't be, I think what I really did was body neutrality. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I had a hard time getting the body love just because it was like, it's, I mean, I now feel like I really celebrate and love my body, but initially really had to get into that body neutrality because I was just like, I can't go from loathing my body to loving it. Like that felt like a real big leap. (laughs) So I was like, maybe I could just not have this much of my life's happiness wrapped up in my body. Yeah. And that was the real big switch because I was like, do I really need my body to be quote unquote conventionally perfect in order to be happy? No, I really don't. So I need to just, and do I need to absolutely 100% love every angle of my body at any given time? And I'm like, I don't need to have my picture photographed from every single angle for me to be like, are you good? You know, it's like, I could just, I could just not have that much fixation on my body. I think that was the big thing. Cause I was so fixated on it, you know, like it was such a, all I thought about, it was that belief of like, I write about this in my book. It's called the, I call it like, I'll be happy when syndrome, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was so fixated on it. Like, that's the thing. That is the reason I'm not happy is my body. That's it. And then I really changed my perspective on my body. And I was like, there's actually a lot of other reasons. I'm like, damn it. Shoot. I was like, I think maybe, well, that's a good point. Like maybe we do that because there are a lot of other things that we like don't really want to think about. Cause I mean, like I do it with dating or if like a guy is like, you know, not interested. I'm like, well, it's because of my weight, you know, like I always equate it back to that, even though it probably isn't to do with that, but I think thinking about the fact that it could be about my personality or (laughs) something else that feels like harder to bear Mm -hmm. is maybe harder to think about. Right. Yeah. So it's like twisting. I don't know. It's like my mind wants it to be about that. So I can just make it about something that's like, I don't want to change. And like, it's their fault, you know? Yeah. I think that also is kind of tempting because there always feels like there can be some big transformation with the body. You know, that's what we're sold. And so it's like, well, then it must be that like, and I, I can fix that. I can work on that. You know I mean? That's diet culture just in a bow, you know? And so it's like, uh, it, it feels like a, even though it's a long fix, it's like a quick fix a little bit, quote unquote. Um, and so I think it's easier to look at that instead of what I realized was like having a beautiful life is like a constant cultivation. Like you really have to be intentional with your time. You have to be aware of yourself. You have to heal like from your, a lot of your past pain. And there's like things to heal within the world of your body, like what your worth is tied up in. Like there's things that 
just truly cannot be healed by just changing the size of your body. Like there's things that are still going to come up because we're in a world that's extremely focused on the body. So even the people who, you know, I have friends, a lot of friends in Hollywood who, you know, they have eating disorders. They have things that, that in their past, like no one really gets out of it no. kind of without something. And I think that was really helpful to me because looking at, it felt like that was the thing that could fix everything. Like what you're saying with like, oh, well this guy, it's probably about my weight. And now I can be angry about that. Right. And it's like, instead of having to see like, well, how did I show up? Or mm -hmm. like, what was, how, how, how was I in this interaction? Or even, even the thing of like, did I even like him? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that <laughs> is so like, true. It's like, did I even vibe with him? Like it was, he, was I so excited for date two? It's like, maybe not. Right. And, but we like want something to kind of, I think that's a big part of why I talk a lot about building self-trust and not so much self-love, I guess self-love for sure. But it's like, you can't love someone until you trust them. So sometimes when I hear all this stuff about self-love, I'm like, well, you got to trust yourself first because just like in any relationship, you got to trust someone before you love them. I mean, let's hope like that would be the natural progression of things. And when we trust ourselves, that's when I think we can kind of look at some of the, do I like this person? Am I into this person? How did I show up? Like, did I leave feeling really good? I think what I noticed when I used to date was like, I was so fixated on like, do they like me? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a plus size thing or just a me thing or a people pleaser thing. I think it's a, a woman, a thing. woman thing. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it's a plus size thing, but I think it's the more and more I learn thanks to TikTok, it's really a woman thing. I think ours, like as a plus size woman, it's just like a little bit elevated. Okay. Because the options are lower. At least that's in our head how it feels like. Okay. Wait, why is why have you learned this from TikTok? Because you see so many different women who are sharing their insecurities and the things that they're going through. Like TikTok's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like for, you know, the, I, I mean, for the longest time, I thought it was like, you know, fat women only went through certain things. And it's like, the more you learn about, like, the more you see, like, there's conventionally societally attractive women who go through the same things that are being rejected are still virgins, not by choice because of, you know, just because of like, there's just so many different things. And I, for the longest time thought it was because I was fat that's why these things were happening to me. And I'm like, no, it's, it, it, they happen to a lot of people. Oh, that's amazing. I've not found this area of TikTok. Of TikTok. Yeah. How, are you on dating TikTok though? I would assume. Obviously no. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not on dating you are married. TikTok. <laughs> yeah. But I actually get, I'm fascinated, not in like a, you know, I hate when people are married. People are like, Oh, you know, mm -hmm let me live vicariously. It's like, yeah. shut up. Um, but you know, like I, let me I, swipe for you. Yeah. That's, that's problematic guys. Yeah. Like, come on. Um, you know, it's not a game. Like this is a, this is a thing. Drunk me loves to let my married friends swipe for me though. Like, because I want to see fair. their reaction to it because they get so excited. That's, that's totally fair. <laughs> Um, wow. So yeah, I mean, I do have one person that I follow who does talk about her dating life, but I thought that was just her. I didn't know it was like a thing on TikTok. Yeah, no, I like, so our, we say like dating sucks. 
or dating's hard dating's but dating's harder when you're plus size but like dating's hard period like we all have the same insecurities and the same things I think that like they're just twisted to different ways for each like each person yeah because you you add like another layer right you add another layer if like you know we just um we had a guest on who is um fat and black you know so you're like adding layers on top of layers right so it's like hard for it's like hard for a straight size person then it's harder for someone who's plus size and then it's like even harder for someone who's black and plus size you know it's like I don't know like you have it better when you're down here but it still sucks (laughs) when you're down here I think that's might be a little bit of being radically content is to know that it like it's not just us to know that it happens to everybody so you don't have to also like always be thinking like it could like, I mean, you think it could be better, but like, know that it's, it's not a you problem all the time. Oh my God. That's so well said. Cause that whole idea of someone else has it better. Mm-hmm. It should be better. It could be better. If only I would just fix this thing. And it's usually the, in, the one insecure, the big insecurity that you've had your whole life. And you're like, if I could just figure this out and you live in waiting, like you live just waiting, like that's so I also think like we're in a time now where people are actually sharing those real things instead of just pretending, which I think mm-hmm. is really, really cool. I'm going to have to go on dating TikTok yeah. and look at this because that I used to feel the same way. I thought it was all just like perfect mm-hmm. for anyone who was thin, like, mm-hmm. okay, they're just, pe- people are dropping at their feet. They're the pick <laughs> of the letter. Like well, that's what the movies, I mean, think about yeah, like, you're right. can't hardly wait. And like Jennifer Love Hewitt, it was just like, well, if you're Jennifer Love Hewitt and that blue spaghetti strap, yeah, like you're, Man, you're, you're right. in it. The only thing I wanted to be in life was Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I'm not, that's not a joke. I really did like want to be her. <laughs> Who didn't? Who among us? That was, she was like held up yeah. as the ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had big booze. She's skinny. She was like, perfect. It's every guy's fantasy. You're like, that. that's what I want to be every guy's fantasy. But I think that's, that's a women thing for sure. Like mm-hmm. every woman. That's wild. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about your live with intention course. Cause I feel like a lot of what you talked about today is stuff that you teach like in, in your course. Um, especially the, um, like coming to a good relationship with those things that you were talking about, like the little guy who's sitting on your shoulder, that the thing that you can't like get rid of is something that you really focus on in the course. Yeah. I think that what I recognized was there was an actual way to cultivate like a more satisfied life, cultivate a better relationship with ourselves. And it usually wasn't as much of like a quick fix. You know, we say like, especially with our bodies, it's like, what you tell yourself you're beautiful into the mirror. No, like we have to give ourselves like what I recognize was there's a difference between saying that you love yourself and acting in a loving way. Mm -hmm. And my course is all about building that first step which is the self-trust, which I believe is a true foundation for feeling really good in your life, regardless of where you're at, because what 
what ends up happening is, you know, we're using other people's definitions to define how good we think our lives are. We don't think we really deserve to feel good on a daily basis. We don't really give ourselves often. Like, you know, we have all those memes that go around and everything of like, oh, I don't know how to take care of myself. I you know, and it's like, I get it, but also we have to live with ourselves. And so we have to really like be intentional with how we care for ourselves and show up for ourselves. And a lot of the time, what I noticed, especially as it relates to my body was like, I was neglecting myself and not in the way of like, oh, now I'm going to lose weight. It's like, I was neglecting even like things that would make me feel good that had nothing to do with weight loss. It was just, and I started to show up to more like loving habits and then it like cultivated this confidence because I was showing up for myself on a daily basis. And it wasn't even like, it wasn't even big things. It was just like journaling every day for like mm-hmm. five minutes and just keeping to that. I was like, whoa, this actually makes a really big difference in my day. And that using my time in a really intentional way where I know where I'm going, what I'm doing, and I'm focused on feeling good instead of what this is something I talk about in the course. Like, I think a lot of times we focus on just not feeling bad. It's Mm -hmm. like, what can I do to not feel bad about myself? And it's like, well, what about, what can I do to feel good about myself instead of like, we're running away from a feeling like, how do I not feel shame? Or how do I feel finally? Like I'm good enough. It's like, well, let's go toward you know, there's all kinds of solutions and openings. If we go towards something that's really beautiful that we're excited about, you know, like, just like, I mean, if you want to like start exercising regularly, usually we do that as like, well, I hate my body. So Mm -hmm. let me exercise. So I don't hate my body. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, what about like, like exercising might feel like a celebration of your current body. It'll, maybe it'll give you mental clarity. Maybe it'll help you feel like more stable in your day or, you know, these sorts of things that have benefits. And so that's a lot. What I teach with live with intention is like having true benefits to what you do instead of like trying to go away from a feeling that we don't want, which that's what I did my whole life. It was like, I feel shame. Let me try to make some change. The shame goes away for two seconds and then I'm back to doing the thing. And it's a cycle. Then I, mm-hmm. okay. then I feel shame and I do the thing and I'm like, that was my whole life. And I felt like I was like on fire all the time because I never was consistent and I never showed up for myself. And I think a lot of that was like internalizing stuff about like, my body and what that meant. Like if I, you know, I'm every time I wouldn't like do a habit, it was like, Oh, I'm lazy or there's something wrong with me or, you know, and it just like made such a difference to show up just a little bit, just a tiny bit. And then all of a sudden that became how I did everything. Like how I wrote a book was just like writing every day for two hours. And then, you know, and it just started building and building Mm -hmm. from there. And once I started recognizing that, I was like, I got to make a course about this because it's so obvious that I think we don't, (laughs) it's not obvious that it's not obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so simple. Cause people are like, Oh, I don't think it's going to work. You know, they say that to me a lot. They're worried. And I'm like, just, just get into it. I promise because it makes so much sense 
because the way that we're taught, I mean, our culture is so it's, it's just so like a drill sergeant, like go, 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 never stop. All or nothing. All or nothing. Suffering pain is gain. Like what is with this, you know? And it's like, okay, do all these things. So that one day, maybe you get to be happy. And it's like, <laughs> all right, like leave me alone. Right. And like you said, like, where, where's the level? Like, how do you decide what is, makes you happy? And I think so many people say like, once they do hit that level of what they think is going to make them happy. They're not even happy. Mm -hmm. Well, because think of it this way. So you have this thing in your head for so long that this, this thing is going to make me happy. This is it. And then you've stored up all these days of like suffering and pain and, you know, oh, I'm, I'm sacrificed and this, and I haven't seen my family in years. And I have my, I have no, health, like mental or physical or emotional health, all this stuff. And then you get that thing and you're like, Ooh, this has got to do a lot for me. This has got to really give me a lot because I have sacrificed and I, I, I can't do it anymore. Like I don't get off on that anymore. Like I'm not, not sacrificing. I'm not like, I mean, there's certain things, of course, I have to like say no to some things in order to make time for other things. But I also, you know, I'm doing all the things that I'm doing and I, I don't like burn the midnight oil. I don't, you know, I have boundaries around my time and that's me at my most, this is me at my most ambitious. Like I'm doing all the things that I've wanted to do, but I still have to take with me my mental clarity, my relationships, the things that matter to me, my relationship with myself. Cause that's the first thing that usually goes, we're like up. I'm just going to, I'll be the first one. I'll disappoint, yeah. you know, let me, let me just ignore my own needs and my own emotional health. And it's like, and then once we get to that place, it's like, we have, we almost have to like start from the building blocks again, Yeah, because it's like, well, I mean, now I have this thing and I'm not where, you know, I, I can't even really feel a lot of people too. They, they get to that level of success and they don't feel successful because now they're like, well, I, okay, maybe I need to get this thing and okay. So it wasn't, this wasn't enough. So I need to keep going and this constant proving and I'm good enough. And someone tell me that I'm good enough. Like, Ooh, it's an exhausting, exhausting hamster wheel. Yeah. Like no one wins at it. I'm like, when do we get to, you know, and then, and then we talk about it and it's like, so you're telling me that happiness is only reserved for this like small percentage of people who fit in with this perfect ideal that the culture, like how unfair is that? I can't Mm -hmm. subscribe to that. That just makes me feel like, oh, my happiness is dependent on being better than others. Like, no, thanks. I'd rather yeah. like there be a happiness that is much more inclusive to us all. Yeah, I've never thought available. of it that way. That's I've never thought book. of it that way. That is so interesting. Yeah. Like that my, that I we need to be, be better, better than. Yeah. Wow. Well, we do it a lot. Actually, if you think about it, we do it a lot. Like say, um, this is an example I use, like, um, you know, like in, in a relationship or something, if we're having our own issues, or even when you're single and you're, you know, you, you can look at people and go, well, at least I'm not like that. Right. Yeah. At least I don't have that. I going do that on. with the real housewives. 
Oh, right. I mean, but then it's got a little cost to it. Like right. you do that. And then you realize you're like, you're on the ladder now. Yeah. Who's doing better. Who's not like, I just, I've just gotten off the ladder, you know, because we do this, we try to, sometimes we can recognize that what we're getting, what we're thinking is our worth is actually how much better we are than someone else. And it's like completely natural. It's set up to be like that, but it kind of gets in the way of our humanity and it doesn't actually feel that good because then when we get like, then we're just judging ourselves. Like, that's another thing that I noticed with comparison actually was, so if I was in a place where I wasn't where I want to be yet, you know, I'd compare and then I'd bring that person down because that would make me feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you know, they're probably not happy and they're probably this and everybody's jealous of them and like all that stuff that I would use to make myself feel better. And then once I would get to where they're at, I judge myself with those same things. Like, oh, well, it's not, you're probably not that happy and everyone's jealous of you. And no, 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 no. I'm like, don't enjoy this too much. And, and I was like, son of a bitch, (laughs) I did it to myself, you know? So now I'd be really careful about, I'm like, I don't, I'm not gonna, I mean, I, I sometimes compare, but I don't let it become a thing. And I try not to bring anyone else down in order to make myself feel better because I don't want to feel better because someone else has it worse than me is yeah. what I guess I'm trying to say. No, I think that's completely fair. Do you, Okay. So do you think there's a way to like live with intention or intention set when you're dating? Like how, how do you think people could do that? So I think a lot of times, like, I, I know I get burnt out and I think, you know, then I get put myself in the cycle, a shame cycle right? If it's like not working. So how, I don't know. I'm trying to do this thing where I date smarter, not harder. And Nikki is too. I know she's been doing some great moves with it too, (laughs) but how do we, I don't know. How do we like not put ourselves in a shame cycle when, when you're dating? What does it look like to date smarter, not harder? Um, I think we maybe realized we were not, um, we were like swiping on people who didn't have the same intentions as us. So, you know, we were swiping on people who said they wanted casual hookups or said that they didn't know what they want. And so now we're trying to intentionally swipe on people who have, you know, like they want a relationship or they want children because like, you know, we don't really have time for people who don't want the same things as us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think things like that. I don't know. Nikki, do you have other examples of things that you're. Um, I think, yeah. So like those examples, like I, I don't swipe on people who are far away because I, what am I doing? I'm not going to go far. Like I can't do another long distance relationship. I've done too many of those. Um, uh, I think like I pay for Bumblebee line so I can see all the men who are like matching with me first. So I'm not sitting there swiping. Um, I think I, so now I've set these parameters for myself of how I'm swiping like or in that what I do when I match with somebody like I'm now immediately messaging I'm not like waiting um I give everybody the same opening line and I don't like deal with them not asking me a question back 
I don't know. It's just like, I'm not, I'm trying to cut out the bullshit. Mm-hmm. If that See, makes any sense. That's what I would say. Like you're already doing it. That's incredibly intentional because you're no longer setting yourself up to be harmed by this. Like, you know, better, you know, you know, that you're not going to like, all right, why am I, I don't even know this person and they're a hundred miles away. Like, why am I going to put this into my world again? You know, that's a, that's a really big expression of like loving yourself and not trying to put yourself down the road where you're like, I knew this was not going to be good. And what I'll say is this probably isn't about living with intention. It's more about when things aren't working out, it's not creating a story about why, which is, is tough because we want control. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's the thing. That's why we do it. We're like, oh, well, if I can make sense of this, then it's maybe something I can fix versus I think every time we do that, like, cause usually the story that we're telling ourselves is not kind, you know? Um, and that's what creates, it's not really what's happening. It's how we're interpreting what's happening and how we, if you interpret it in a way of, well, this is confirming for me that I'm not good enough or that this is not going to happen for me. These beliefs, it's like, I would then look at those beliefs, those core beliefs that are getting brought up when things aren't working out, because those are leading you to like, that's a freedom to then say like, huh, I have this story that happens when someone, I don't know, maybe ghosts me. I have this story that this means X, Y, Z about me. And instead of believing that story, interrogating that story and being like, why do I feel this way? Like get curious. This is when people ask me, like, what's the best way to start being more radically content? Kind of, it's all about getting curious with yourself instead of judgmental, because that shame is the judgment. It's saying, okay, let me find a mean reason and a judgmental reason for this to not work out for myself. And then you think, I think like it can, we can think that that kind of like, will maybe soften the blow of disappointment next time, you know, if we have this like idea. And actually I feel like it, it, it just keeps us in that loop. And so it's so important to get curious and be like, I mean, I don't have, I'm not dating, but you know, I had a situation recently where I was getting, uh, yeah, I'm in the middle of like this big book tour, all these things. And another project of mine was getting rejection after rejection after rejection. And I was like, Oh, buddy, like this is testing me. And I had to look at all the things that were coming up of like, Oh, see, this is not going to go the way that you thought it would go. And this is now you're confirming that this isn't going to be the, the thing that, and Oh, you're not good enough. And you're now the shame is coming and all of this. And I had to really sit with that and look at that instead of, I think what I've noticed potentially in the dating community is, is it is hard, but also I think staying in that place of like, oh, there's no good men. There's no, this, there's no, this, I'm always going to be disappointed. It's like, it, it feels good to bond about that. But is that really making you feel hopeful? Is that really, you know, making you go into a date feeling like a sense of possibility, not like let's get married tomorrow, but just like any kind of, instead of like 
bracing yourself for the disappointment. It's like, just trust that if it, if you get disappointed, okay, you know, like that's just, that might happen. But then again, you know, you, you might find someone that you really click with. And I think it's hard to click with people when you are kind of coming into it, expecting it to not work out and expecting, um, to feel disappointed and then, you know, having that commiserating, you know, I used to love to commiserate about all the things and it is fun. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, especially you drink some wine, you're like, let's <laughs> get into it, but it does kind of make you feel less excited and less yeah. hopeful. Um, because you're kind of used to the disappointment and I think changing that story is really important. And I don't mean that in any kind of like toxic positivity way, but just like being a little optimistic and never, never hurt anyone, you know, like cautiously optimistic, you know, yeah. I think that's why it's so important too. like, I love following people who are plus size and married, um, just because it makes me feel hopeful. Like in that, you know, that's something that I think isn't been ingrained in me for so long is that like, you're never going to be happy because no one's ever going to love you because you're plus size. Right. Um, or don't be picky. Like you, <laughs> mm. oh my God. um, you're plus size. Like you have to pick what picks you. Um, and, uh, I think that like seeing people not settling and being with people that I think that's so hopeful and something that I've seen a lot on TikTok and it's nice. Yeah. Like Alicia and um, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head, but I know there's a million. Um, I think are just like really great examples of that. I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, sometimes when I feel like I'm getting a little stuck, um, I start to make a list of like, not what, like not a quality of a person that I want, but how I want to feel like mm. on a date. Okay. Oh. How do I want to feel when I show up to this date? How do I want to feel, you know, in the dating process? How do I want to feel in a marriage? You know, okay. not, not, okay. I want a guy who looks like this and does that. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, how do I want to feel like how, and let that guide you of like, yeah. how do I want to feel when I'm swiping? How do I want to feel when I'm walking into a first date with someone? And actually that'll really like filter some people out too. Because if you're, if you're like, I want to feel confident, I don't want to go in being like, does this person like know my size? Like, you know, fuck that. Like, I don't want to, you don't want to feel that way. Like, and that might, it might mean you're going to get less of those dates, but then it's like less shitty dates Mm -hmm. that then you have to go through. Like I would get really like clear on how do I want to feel when like I'm falling in love with someone? Do I want to be like questioning whether they really like me? Or do I want to feel like a sense of real, like comfort and that I'm really there, I'm attracted to them. Like also how you want to exist in it, not how they reflect back to you, but like, how do, how do I want them to make me feel? And then even more so, like, how do I want to make them feel? Cause like they get, they exist too, you know, and what do you want to give them? Cause like love is a give and a receiving. And so I would just like, that sometimes gets me out of the, it has to go a certain way. It has to come from this certain place. 
Um, and it gets me into like a state of possibility of like, well, that sounds fun now. Like I want that kind of love. Like I want that kind yeah. of feeling. I want to walk into a date feeling like that. Jamie, I want to go you, on a date. Yeah. Can you be my new therapist? Because all of my therapists have had me write a list of qualities I want in a man. Bullshit. I'd rather, I'd rather do yours. I know that's what they do. They think that's helpful, but actually, cause here's the thing. The qualities don't matter. How you feel is what matters, how they make you feel. They can look totally different than what you expected. They can, I mean, I'm, I'm coming to you. I met my husband and he didn't even speak English as if that was on a list somewhere that I could have written down with a therapist, <laughs> but yeah. the way he made me feel was so that was what mattered to me. The way that you feel in a long-term relationship is what matters, not the specifics, not the qualities, not because someone could surprise you, you know, someone can really surprise you and you'll surprise yourself. And so that the thing with the qualities too, is that I feel like it makes it feel heavy. You're like, Oh man, I got a list that they got to hit. And then, you know, and, and then also those qualities, you don't even know if they'll make you really feel that good. Cause it's you're what just society says, yeah, it's just like, Oh, I guess I want a guy who does these things. I don't know why. And, um, <laughs> but instead of going, okay, here's how I want these interactions to feel here's, and it already, like, you can already feel there's like an energy that's starting to happen. Like you're getting excited. You're getting like, wow, I can like dream this up and think about it. And it really does start to arrange itself, I think. And, you know, and then what might happen is things come up that go, oh, you can't have that. Oh, you're asking for too much. And then you look at those and you go, stop. No, I don't believe you anymore. This is what I want. And you start going from there because that's what, that's what I did when I was having these rejections recently, I was like, okay, get back, get back to how you want this experience to be with this project, not are they, uh, are you getting multiple offers and the money and this and this and this, like all these things that were very like practical and like that I can't control, but what I can control is going, do I feel really lit up by this partnership? Do I feel like I can't wait to dive into the work? Like, do I really want to do this, you know, with this person that's, that's talking to me. And I, I really think like that starts to make you see things differently. Yeah. And, you know, you start to feel like you're more in the driver's seat. Cause I know that with dating, it can feel very like, cool, no control yeah. at right. all. But it's like, actually there are certain things that can make you excited. And, you know, cause you want to get into a relationship for a reason you would think, right. Mm-hmm. And it can't be, I'm a certain age and I feel like I should. Yeah. Cause that's, that's not enough yeah. for strong women. You know, it has to be, there's something that a relationship is going to provide that is a different experience from what you're experiencing when you're single. Right. And like, focus on those good things, those things like, you know, and then focus on, you know, you got to be with someone that you can work through things with like, and how do you want that to feel? Um, so yeah, I mean, no, I think that's huge. When you said the thing about, um, like you have to trust them before you love them. I feel like that kind of blew my mind even because I was like, I don't think I have ever trusted like any guy that I've been with, like truly, but you think you love them. And there's like that whole thing where 
we feel like really anxious when we are dating and we kind of like equate that with like a good feeling because it's like butterflies, but it's actually not a good thing. Like you shouldn't be anxious when you're dating someone, right? Like you should feel like supported and um, content and happy. And I think like we, a lot of times like confuse this and we think it's like, oh, passion um, when really it's, I don't know, you're not. No, I, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, there, there could be anxiety, of course, when you're trusting someone new and trust has to be earned. Mm-hmm. And I, you have to also recognize that with the relationship you have with yourself, trust has to be earned too, which is why I always believe in like doing these small, you know, on, like honoring yourself in these small ways with like small rituals and habits, because you learn to, you learn to be able to rely on yourself. And I do think that, um, probably in dating that, um, is it going to happen that it feels kind of exciting, but actually I think that what you might be craving, and this is up to you, this is another thing to explore. What you might be craving is meeting someone that you feel like you can be yourself with, mm-hmm. you know, like that's mm-hmm. a good feeling, feeling like I've known, I must've known you before this. Like right. we have a, there's something here that we, you know, there's a real reason to connect as opposed to that feeling. Cause that feeling of anxiety, I think is giving all the power to the other person. Yeah. And I do think that that's a really important thing is to really always root in with yourself of like, do I even want to meet this person? Like, do I even feel something for them? Like, it's not all on their terms, Mm -hmm. even though we've been told that it's like, do you eat? Like, how do you want to feel when that happens? And I do think that like passion is probably misunderstood because a lot of passion that I see, I'm like, that just looks stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Like this constant not knowing. And uh, like, I want to be with someone that I could just be myself with Mm -hmm. not and I know it's going to show up. Yeah. Right. Like someone yeah. that's going to show up and, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to make you feel supported, you know, um, that's going to look different than someone who might be like, they, they, you know, cause passion can feel very, um, heightened, but like a lot of times, especially in like a long-term relationship, you don't want like heightened stuff all the time. Like a lot of a long-term relationship, you know, is just like doing mundane shit together right? and just being able, like, it's just a person you can like be around more than other people. And you don't want to have to feel like you, you know, have to perform for them or manufacture passion or, um, feel like you can't be your whole self. Cause like, that's the really important thing because there's, you get one type, if you're monogamous, you get one type of relationship with a person who really sees you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not with someone that allows you to be your full whole self, and that doesn't want to see that whole self, just be alone then, you know, like it's not worth it Yeah, because you're, you're giving up something that's the cost is too high. I think, um, just for, you know, an idea of what a relationship should be or, um, you know, Oh, I'm, I need to like get this going as soon as possible. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I think it's hard sometimes to talk about dating because I have been in a relationship for 11 years, but I do remember very much being single. I mean, I liked being single, to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a way to really know yourself. We agree. Yeah. We talk about that all the time, especially Nikki. Yeah. I think you have to be content on your own first. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I I was not Mm -hmm. as content as I am now. Mm -hmm. And oh boy, did I have a hard time accepting the love that my husband gave me. I was like constantly skeptical. I'm like, why? I would ask him all the time. Like, why, why me? Why do you like me? Like, why are you in love with me? Mm. And he's like, um, stop asking me this. (laughs) Like poor guy. Because I am. I don't want to take a test every week. (laughs) Multiple choice. Is it a, because of this, is it B? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Like yeah. it, I would not recommend that. I, I'm, I, I wish that I had, I do wish that I had known myself a bit better and been able to receive love. Um, and I had to learn that within a relationship, which is, is definitely tricky. Like, I think it's pretty beautiful to like, have that contentment and have that foundation for yourself because inviting someone into that space you're able to really like come at it very equal. Uh, well, unless he's, we'll hope that he's at that point. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Not to so. get back into that like thing where we all like bond about how men are the worst, but yeah, but <laughs> we know kind of the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, any, it, oh gosh, this was so great. I feel like we've learned a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my God. You're so welcome. This was so fun. I learned about TikTok. Yes. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. One more thing to be obsessed with. That's that's good. I'm glad we gave you that. You gave us contentment. We give you an addiction. (laughs) You know, I actually do. I got really into TikTok during the pandemic, like all the funny videos and stuff. Um, but I will say that I'm just so glad there's some space that exists for that. I wish I had had that. I mean, I love that people are finally being honest about shit because yeah. man, do we need it? I know. I feel like, like Instagram was stuff. like kind of getting there, but yeah, Instagram was like basically based on perfection. So mm-hmm. that you have an app that like, isn't, is, is nice. Yeah, it really is. It is. I know I need to probably do stuff on TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one many. more thing. One more thing. Everybody one needs more thing. to be honest. I know. <laughs> Nikki's a TikTok oh, evangelist. She loves, it. <laughs> she loves I love it. it. I'm on it all. Yeah, it's my preferred platform. <laughs> Do you make yes. videos too? Yeah. Um, and I feel freer on TikTok than on Instagram. I'm so self-conscious mm. on Instagram, but on TikTok, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's the vibe. I know. Yeah. It's like the more raw. That's what I have seen. Like the more raw, it's like the, the weird angle from up. It's like the preferred TikTok angle. The worse you look, the better it'll do. Yeah, like today we put up one and I look so bad. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. Now that is a platform I'm here for. I mean, my Instagram is not about me. I just post my writing. I mean, it's a little bit, but I I don't like to do all the curated stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I, I never turned, I never did that, but um. I know. I kept being like, Jamie, you could. And you were like, I don't think so. I know. It's not for me. It isn't for me. 
It's just not, I can't, I see it and I like it, but I don't, it's just not my, my thing. I think it would take away from the writing a little bit. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I understand that. Well, speaking of writing, make sure you guys go on Amazon and pre-order Radically Content, Being Satisfied in an Endlessly Dissatisfying World. It comes out April 12th. I already, yes, I already please. pre-ordered. I, pre-ordered. I know after this conversation, I'm going to pre-order. Oh I my God. Look at my life. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's I feel really like I need good. to do Live With Intention too. Oh my God. Okay. Well, come on in. <laughs> Join the party. I love it. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Can you tell people where they can find you too on social? Yeah. I, um, despite my TikTok, I do have a TikTok. Um, (laughs) I'm at Jamie Varen on basically everything. Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, jamievarin.com is my website. Radicallycontent.com is where you can find more information on the book or just search it on Amazon and pre-order it, please. They really help authors. The pre-orders really help authors. Do it. Do it. Come on. That's what (laughs) all the cool kids are doing. (laughs) These these two cool kids are. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I need. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.